So 10 minutes later, we arrive home and we hadn't seen anybody. We, this is the first time home in a few months. And, uh, we, we pull up to the house and as we're driving down the driveway, I notice there's a, a bunch of vehicles, police vehicles and other vehicles. And the first thing that came out of my mom's mouth was, I hope that's not one of my sons. Welcome, my friends, to The Storyteller, where you'll find First Nations people from across Native North America who are following Jesus Christ without reservation. On today's program, we'll hear from a Cree man who lost two of his brothers before he was 15 years old. And he reminds us about how difficult and confusing life can be. My name is Mario Swampy. I'm from the Samson Cree Nation. Out here in Hobima, we have four reserves. We have the Ermanskin, uh, Montana, Louis Bull, and Samson. Samson is the largest of the four reserves, which is um, where I'm from. My dad is actually a Samson Nation member, and my mom was from the Ermanskin Reserve. So growing up, I kind of went back and forth between the two reserves. I actually kind of hung out at all four reserves, got to know a lot of people have family in the different reserves. Um kind of interesting, I guess, growing up, I grew up exposed to a lot of things that for me, I, I saw as normal or just a part of the way life was on reserve. And it wasn't until I got older and kind of started experiencing life a little different that I began to realize how, I guess, uh, maybe dysfunctional or crazy things had gotten. Um, I grew up around a lot of alcohol, alcoholism. I had uh, family members, my father, who was an alcoholic, um, saw a lot of that stuff and maybe some of the really negative stuff that went along with it, like the violence and uh, abuse, I guess. Um, I think for me, hanging out with my cousins, kind of the younger the younger generation, I was kind of the older one, we always try to keep ourselves entertained. And, and uh, when I think back now, we did a lot of crazy things and... Uh, a lot of things to get ourselves in trouble. But uh, in the midst of all that, I mean, we did grow up going to church, which was an interesting thing. My mom and dad um, both went to residential school. Uh, both uh, pretty much grew up in residential school. And uh, so my mom, who was raised by her grandmother, was taken to church at a young age and was taught about God. And, and that's what she learned through residential school. And coming out of residential school, that's kind of how we were raised. We grew up going to Catholic church. And so I understood about religion. I had heard about God, but because we're, we're from the reserve, we also had the, the traditional component of, of, uh, religion where, you know, I grew up going to different ceremonies and, uh, seeing a lot of that stuff, feasts and, and, um, sadly in, in this community, uh, we experienced a lot of, a lot of deaths and, and, to this day, you know, this community experiences such a high percentage of deaths, uh, unexpected deaths. Um, and, and a part of that is the wake service that goes on. And so we'd see a lot of the cultural stuff happening through the wake services and stuff. So I guess I always had this, this knowledge about God, but never, never knew about a God who was personal or who was, uh, someone who really was close or intimate i always just kind of had this picture of him like out there type of thing so anyways as i was growing up uh, uh i'm the youngest in a family of seven my my older brothers you know i really wanted like like any little kid i think i really wanted to be 
just like my older brothers, see the stuff they were doing. Uh, you know, they got into rodeo, they got into sports, so I wanted to be just like them. And uh, they also got into alcohol, got into drugs. And um, when I got older, I really wanted to be like them as well, which, which is kind of strange because I remember as a kid growing up, um, like I said, my father being an alcoholic, sometimes we'd come home and I'd see, you know, people passed out see alcohol laying around the house. And, uh, I remember as a little kid one time, it's, this kind of really sticks out in my memory. I remember coming home and being disgusted as a kid of, of what I saw. I was thinking like, why, why does it have to be like this? Why do we get chased out of our own home when there's uh drunks around or, or stuff like that? And I remember picking up a bottle of whiskey and I, I kind of held it up to my nose. I took a smell and I just thought to myself, like, this stuff stinks. It's horrible. <laughs> how can anyone drink this? And then not only drink it, but how could they treat their family or the people they care about like this? And that that's kind of a memory that was impressed upon me at a young age. But like I said, you know, I, I, I really wanted to follow the footsteps of my brothers and stuff. And I got to see, see them kind of getting into that lifestyle. Um, I guess I didn't understand it at first. And as I got older... I remember the first time I smoked drugs. I, I was pretty young myself. I think I was 11 years old when I uh, smoked marijuana. And um, I guess it was interesting because for me, it was almost like an escape, uh, forgetting a lot of the stuff that goes on around and uh, escaping from a lot of times my own conscience. I, and I guess I use the word escape, but it's not, it's not really an escape. It's running away. I was running away from these things rather than facing them. I guess for me at that time, drugs did that for me. It, it was in, in in a way, it was like numbing, numbing my emotions, numbing my my conscience, numbing my feelings. Because um, in native communities, there's a lot of things that uh, we we just experience that a lot of people don't experience. I mean, the percentages of suicides and murders and abuses of all kinds are are very high in native communities, and I think a lot of people myself included, used drugs, used alcohol, used substances to kind of run, run from that. But you don't go anywhere because when you run to it, you're only creating more problems for yourself. And rather than running from your problems, you create more. And then it's just like, it's almost like a, a, a bandaid trying to bandage over the wounds that are created over and over. And it's, it's a, it's a terrible cycle. I believe I was 12 years old when we had moved to San Diego. My mom was taking a, a university course out there and she moved the two youngest ones, which was myself and my sister and my, one of my brothers, we moved out there, my dad, my mom. And, um, it was really, really, uh, I don't know, not strange, but like they say, the mother's intuition. I remember we were in school. I was in grade five. My sister was in grade six. We were in our classes and we got a call to the office. Uh, we walked into the office and my mom said, we're going home. Um, so I thought, okay, we're going home early today from school. She said, no, we're going back to Canada. I was like, okay. So we packed up our stuff and we just started driving back home to Canada. And it took us about, I think, three days because we weren't really driving in a hurry. But uh, my dad at that time was struggling with alcohol and, and I remember like with my mom, like my mom always tried to avoid 
any confrontation with my dad, especially when he was drinking. And sometimes he would, you know, demand things or I want to do this. I'm going here, kind of do his own thing. And I remember we were actually driving through Pinoca, which is about 10 minute drive from the reserve. We'd already been on the road for a couple of days and he, he basically told my mom, like, drop me off here. I'm going to go to the bar kind of thing. And as a kid, this was the first time I'd ever seen my mom kind of stand up to my dad and she's like, no, you're, you're coming home. There was just something telling my mom, like, we just had to get home and she was not going to let anything kind of deter her from that. So 10 minutes later, we arrive home and we hadn't seen anybody. We, this is the first time home in a few months. And, uh, we, we pull up to the house and as we're driving down the driveway, I notice there's a, a bunch of vehicles, police vehicles and other vehicles. And the first thing that came out of my mom's mouth was, I hope that's not one of my sons. So we drive up there and, uh, we kind of see a crowd of people out towards the barns. My dad and I go running and, uh, my dad was just yelling out like, who, who's that? What's going on? What's happening? And I remember as a kid around the corner, they come wheeling out this body bag and my dad, who is that? Who is that? And my other brother says, it's Robbie, who was one of my brothers. And I, I was 12 years old and I think I didn't know what to think. I, it was like a shock. It just hit me. I turned around. I started running towards the house. And I couldn't even speak. My mom was yelling out, like, what's going on? Who is that? Who is that? And finally, my dad shouted out, it was my brother, Robbie. And and uh, we were all just, we're stunned. We were in disbelief. Um, we didn't know what to expect. We just got home. We were expecting kind of like a happy reunion to see my family. And we came home to this. And it really, really, for me, kind of, I think, triggered a lot of events in terms of denial, um, fear. I really became fearful after that. Um, really struggled with thinking, I'm going to lose my family. I, I just kind of struggled with that. My parents traveled a lot. My dad was in council. And uh, he he would drive or, or fly to a lot of different places. And he traveled quite a bit. And I remember having this fear every time my parents left, I'm probably not going to see them. I, I just had this deep thing inside me that I was afraid I was never going to see certain family members again. And then... I think through that time, like I said, as I got older, I kind of started, I dabbled into the drugs and into the alcohol. And even though as a kid, even though I didn't like what I saw, what, what it did, to me, it's, I, I felt like it was medicating a lot of that stuff. And in a negative sense, obviously, I mean, I was trying to use that as an escape. And then when I was, uh, 14, um, I remember uh, being at home one, one morning and my mom and my sister come down the stairs to wake me up and they're both crying and I kind of sat up and uh, I asked like what's going on and my mom said my brother Eric had passed away this was another one of my older brothers and he had gotten into a fight the night before with another guy from the community and um, as a result the guy chased my brothers home and they got out. They were going to fight. They're standing in the middle of the road. And instead of getting out to fight, the guy drove over, well, ran over two of my brothers. One brother went into the ditch. The other brother went under the vehicle. The guy turned around and drove over my brother a second time and killed him. And I remember when my mom and sister told me that, I was even surprised at my answer. I just said, we'll leave it in God's hands. Prior to me losing uh, my second brother, my oldest brother um, had actually become a Christian. 
he was the brother who stayed in school pretty much like uh, from high school he went to college and he was jumping around and I think he started searching in different religions like I said we grew up going to Catholic church and uh he himself was searching. I mean, we all grew up with questions like, you know, with uh, an alcoholic father, the community we we're coming from, some of the, you know, with the spiritual, uh, different types of spiritual things we were exposed to or not knowing. So anyways, he was he was on a search. And um, one day he, he actually invited kind of my family together. We were sitting around. And he started telling us about Jesus. We, we had known about Jesus. I mean, we, we heard about him in, in Catholic Church and we... You know, learned those types of stuff. I grew up going to Catholic school for up to grade six, I believe. And so how he presented Jesus, though, was the thing that was totally different than anything I'd experienced. Maybe you've heard some things about Jesus, but do you really know who he is and what he's done for you? We read in the Bible, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you're curious about who Jesus Christ is, Pick up a Bible and read the Gospel of John. That's a great place to learn more about Him. If you would like a copy of today's program, ask for it when you write to us at The Storyteller, P.O. Box 1001, Bemidji, Minnesota, 56619. That's The Storyteller, P.O. Box 1001, Bemidji, Minnesota, 56619. Our phone number is 877-766-4648. That's 877-766-4648. You can also hear today's program online at withoutreservation.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, the greatest story took place at the cross. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, there's more to Mario's story, so be sure to join us again next time as we listen to The Storyteller.